Hello and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider. I sang it, that's right. Welcome back to this podcast, which just doesn't want to die. I've had, you know, two final epilogue episodes planned for some time now, but, you know, some new developments have had me recording new episodes, so I hope you don't mind. Um, people are still listening, so here we go. Uh, yeah, welcome back. This is actually epilogue episode number four. Uh, with the extremely clever uh, title, My Reaction to the Documentary. You'd think that I would put more time and effort into naming these things, given that I'm a writer. Uh, but I'm not doing that. So uh, please forgive me. Um, I assume I shall assume your forgiveness. Let me give you a quick disclaimer. Oh, that's not the right word. Uh, let me give you a, um, a warning. Um, I am... I, I do my best, even though I ramble like a maniac sometimes, I do my best to be careful in the way I say things. And you've probably noticed that sometimes I'll kind of go back and rephrase because I feel like I haven't been precise enough. It's probable that I'll still do that a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that this is probably not going to be the most carefully thought out of episodes. Although, you know... Some people would say it should be a really thought-out episode. Um, I don't care to spend a whole lot more time giving those folks, uh, most particularly, I don't want to attack people, but most particularly that organization which those folks made, which did what it did to so many of the people I love. I don't really feel inclined to give them a bunch of extra time or effort. Um, I don't feel inclined to... Uh, I certainly don't believe that they deserve my time or effort in that area. Um, <laughs> no, they don't. They don't get that free effort from me. Uh, and, and that's not me being vindictive. That's simply be, me being today, understanding who I am and what matters uh, in my time and effort. So, yeah, this is probably going to be a little more unvarnished. And it's usually a pretty unvarnished. I mean, you've been on a long road with me by now. I mean, this is this is like, what is it? This is the 44th episode of of this podcast, uh, and they're each at least 30 minutes. And so we're talking, you've been, you've been, uh, you're almost 24 hours total. You may be at 24 hours, given how long some of these episodes are. I can't promise how long or how short this episode will be. I, I'll try not to drag it out too much. Okay. Uh, quick review. I grew up in a cult. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick, um, quick recap of the, uh, cult, uh, and its evolution based on what I now know. Uh, a, two people got together uh, in Scientology, um, more than likely in Oxford. They were Marianne de Grimston and, or Marianne McLean and Robert de Grimston. Marianne McLean had uh, been homeless in Glasgow, Scotland. That's right. I said it with a bit of a Scottish accent, right? Anyway, um, and she'd had a rough life as a child and wound up in England, in, in London or Oxford, London-ish area. They're not the same thing. I'm Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> And I freaking love England and London, man, I tell you. And, I mean, I'd love to go to Ireland, Glasgow, and Dublin and stuff. Um, and Scotland, excuse me. What is wrong with me? Scotland, Glasgow, Dublin, Ireland. Anyway, yeah, I can do Irish too, you know, as if I'm from Dublin. I'm not like a fl flipping leprechaun. I'm not going to make me voice up. I, oh, uh, you know, it's magically delicious or anything like that. I could just do an Irish accent. It's not hard. You harden your R's and you, you do a little lilt and that's that. That's all. Anyway, I'd love to go to Dublin. Um... I've been to Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, in any case, she she wound up in London as a 16-year-old, I guess it was, as the cult said. Um, and 
then later wound up in um, in a Scientology uh, ex- kind of working group in Oxford. Uh, she met this Robert guy. Robert was a very good writer. He actually had a family before, but he left them for her, which is gross, of course. Um, but, you know, people do that kind of thing. And they uh, eventually eased on out of that th- that organization. I believe that I see. I, I, I heard that they were kicked out because they were going a little off the wall. Um, but it's I, I can't confirm that. So uh, they created this thing called the process. And then they had some fu- people go with them because they're like, oh, this is rad. You're doing cool stuff. And they were trying to become, uh, or they were trying to, you know, face up to uh, the, the the things that were in their lives, you know, trauma or difficulty or fears or doubts, insecurities, anxieties, all that stuff. They were trying to fix all that, I guess, or face it in some way. Uh, but as I said on the last one, you know, now I know. Um, yeah, they sort of kind of wave at that kind of thing. But what it looks like to me, based on the writings that I read, is that it's really just divesting themselves of responsibility. While it looks like it's trying to take responsibility for these things by making an external party to blame for what's going on in their own lives and the choices they make, that seems like they're divesting themselves of blame. In any case, uh, they wound up making this cult, which became very well known in in England. Wow. Um, I didn't realize how, how actual controversial this was. Uh, and how how well known it was in England, but the documentary showed me this. Uh, they made the process Church of the Final Judgment, and man, they milked the frick out of the the, the darkness, the, contra- the the controversy, the colors. You know these uh, black cloaks with purple linings and stuff like that. Uh, these um, the, the the goats' heads of Mendes and and the goat men, the head goat of Mendes and 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 the iron cross on on you know juxtaposed together on the on the wall. Uh, to show, you know, how ooh, edgy they were and all that. So they were un- well-known uh, in England. Uh, there were articles written about them. Uh, they were in Mayfair uh, at a place called Balfour Place. Uh, they had uh, the Satan's Cafe, I think, or Satan's Cavern or Cafe. I couldn't really, sh- I wasn't sure which one it was. Um, in the basement of this building at Balfour Place, uh, they they kind of occupied most of this building, apparently, in Mayfair. Uh, and they were pretty big. It sounds like at its heyday, at its biggest heyday, that had about had about 150, uh, you know, adherents. But I don't know if that was London. That may have been after they wound up in the states. I'm not going to give you the whole history, but they actually did end up schisming in about 1974. And it really was because um, I mean, apparently things had probably been deteriorating. And um, all along, Robert was a very good writer, Mr. De Grimston, but was really more of a figurehead leader. And Marianne apparently just got tired of him. Um, anyway, so he, he, he was, they say he was pushed out, uh, but it sounds also like he decided, yeah, sure. And I'll go with this other girl again. So he left his wife again for another person. So he sounds like a philandering jack wagon, you know? Yeah. Philandering jack wagon. When you leave somebody you've committed your life to, especially the first family he left with kids, uh, you're a philandering jack wagon and I have no respect for you. So period, the end. Um, and that's when he left. And then Marianne, uh, with with her new figurehead Gabriel uh, leading the way, they started the foundation faith of um, the foundation um, faith of the new millennium or something like that. Anyway, uh, and then they found, became the foundation faith of God. So that's that's what it became. So a couple of uh, early reactions to the to the documentary. It's called "Sympathy for the Devil" with a question mark, with the subtitle of "The Stru- True Story of the Process Church of the Final Judgment." Judgment spelled correctly without the e between the g and the m. If you don't believe me, you can sign off now. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. It's okay. 
So that's what it's called, though. Uh, you can view this documentary online on a Satanist temple website if you want, uh, or go to the there's there's a website for it. So Google "Sympathy for the Devil: The True Story of the Process Church of the Final Judgment," and you're gonna get the website for the actual documentary, the film itself, and um, and then you can just order the DVD there. Uh, it'll come from England. I got it in about a week, week and a half or so after I ordered it. Uh, the director's Neil Edwards. We had some contact before. Um, I think I reached out to him because I heard about the, the, the documentary being made and I was like, wow, cool. I want to see what's going on here. And I think that I actually talked to him before it was done and before it was being screened at a large number of uh, film festivals. Uh, so that's cool. And that'll be part of my positive reaction to the to, to the documentary or to, to what I saw in the documentary. The documentary itself is actually very high quality. Um, it's a little psychedelic and I think that that's very appropriate to uh, what the cult was. Uh, it's, um, but it's very well put together. Uh, it spends its entire time on, you know, the eight to 10 years ish of the early part of this cult when it was the actual process church of the final judgment. So about 80, 65, 66 up to 73, 74, because it schismed in 74 and it doesn't really follow that. It mentions a couple things after that time, but very, very little. This documentary is inspired by the book that Timothy Wiley um, wrote called Love, Sex, Fear, Death, um, which I've read. Uh, Love, Sex, Fear, Death is actually the first place I started truly learning about this real uh, origin of the foundation because I didn't know any of this. And the foundation people never said anything about this. It, it sounds like from the way the documentary states it, uh, that was a, a deliberate move. They weren't to talk about the where they'd been. They were to only be the cult of the foundation at that point, the commune, the kibitz-like thing of the of the foundation. And it was as if what had come before hadn't happened, didn't even exist, which is fascinating. Very fascinating. Uh, maybe they thought, I mean, today I can see why, because it was freaking dark, you know, uh, but sort of not dark, honestly, to, to tell you the truth from what I, what I perceived. Um, I mean, the foundation manifestation of this whole cult commune thing was a lot less dark physically, right? There was fewer cloaks, um, still plenty of incense and candles and all that stuff, but definitely less dark. Okay. The process was, was sort of phased out, I think over just a, a really short time, a year or two, it sounds like. So, um, yeah, the, the foundation is what I grew up in. And so it's all I knew, but there are going to, there'll be people who say, but so you didn't, you weren't really in the process and they're right. I wasn't in the process, but I was with the people who started the process. Marianne was still the leader. And all those people that you see in the cult, uh, in the video, not all of them, but many of them, I know them, okay? One of them is my fake dad, all right? Uh, he's all over the place. Father Christopher, that's the guy who I was told was my dad until I was eight and I figured out who it really was. That's that's the dude. The guy in the very front of the, of the cover is Robert DeGrimston. But if you look on the back cover, you've got, and I can name them, uh, <laughs> from left, here we go. That is Gabriel DePire, uh, brother of Raphael DePire. And I can't name them all, but I can name some of them. Some of them I can't really tell for sure. That's Gabriel DePire over there. Um, and then uh, that would be the lady I don't know, but the guy with the dark hair and the beard. That's Malachi. Now, um, I believe that he left the foundation itself um, in its relatively early years because I actually never met him. I never knew him. Uh, the lady looking down, I'm not sure who that is. That could be my mother, but I'm not sure. Uh, then the next one just above her, a uh, guy who's looking a little pensive and fuzzy, that's Michael Mountain. He was uh, 
He's had many, many roles. Uh, he was one of the original, I think he was the original publisher of the Processes magazine. I knew that guy all growing up. He ran Best Friends um, uh, the thrift, store, thrift Store when it first opened. He's the one who opened Best Friends Best Friends Thrift Store down in Kanab. Next guy, I don't know. It might be Anthony, but it might, I'm not sure. Next guy, I don't know. The Lex Lady, I'm not sure. But then the guy looking up kind of severely, that's Raphael DePire, Gabriel's brother. So, um, and then the, the the documentary also talks about, sorry, that noise was me dropping the disc um, case. I know all these guys. So people who say I didn't grow up in that cult, they're right. But I still grow up with what it left and what it still really was. Okay. And there were vestiges. You can't say there weren't vestiges. There were behaviors. There were practices. Uh, the, 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 the documentary has a scene where it's got people lined up facing each other, really close to each other. I think Edward Mason describes this uh, th this ritual they sort of do. It's not a ritual like candles and blood and trash. It's this exercise that they do where they're seating, sitting in chairs and they face each other and they're to look at each other in silence for a long time. And then one of them is supposed to say something terrible, really cutting about the other person. And the other person's supposed to just accept it. Does that sound kind of familiar, guys? <laughs> it should. Uh, yeah, so, okay, maybe it wasn't the process anymore, but it was still the cult, still the people, still a lot of the practices, and still the ineptness when it comes to kids, okay? Still the absolute, just, just dismissal of the fact that there are kids. So, okay, uh, so just put that to bed. Anybody who wants to argue with that with me, you're welcome to, but I'll win, because this is the same, it was the same cult, Okay. Granted, the, the cloaks were gone, but the there was a lot of ugly trash still going on. So, a couple of quick early reactions, and then we'll talk about some emotional things. Number one, um, they, they, this really looked fake. Um, I mean, yeah, they were they were sincere about trying to you know become their better selves. I believe I I can't not believe that everybody was trying that in the '60s. But again, everybody was trying that in the '60s. The '60s were a time of disruption of trying to do neat things and interesting things. Um, but they, I think Edward Mason or one other person said, uh, we milked it. You know, it's like we were trying to be performative in many ways. It looked, I don't know if he said the word performative, but it seemed very performative to me. Like he described a ritual of some kind where there was um, kind of some sexual stuff in there. It was kind of disturbing, made my skin crawl, gave, gave, made me have a little kind of gross feeling in my in my chest. Uh, and so I had to just kind of muscle through that part. I don't like that stuff. I don't like the stuff that's creepy, crawly, actual sin stuff. It's gross. Um actual like seeking the dark it's not cool i don't like that at all uh in any case um it was really performative he said there was nothing actual like nobody had decided what the ritual should look like this was just a performative thing and the going full on full full hog with the cloaks and the and the silver crosses and the iron crosses and the the logo of the process i mean you can see the logo of the process on a lot of this documentation and material that you see on the disc the dvd disc you see it it's they call it four Ps. It's the core of a, of a swastika, basically, right? Uh, but the, the person who's talking about the logo is like, we never really saw the swastika. Yeah, bull. Okay, there's no way you didn't see the swastika there. You know you were going for that. Don't give me that crap. Of course you saw it. It It's one of the most uh, iconic, horrific symbols throughout all of history. There is literally zero chance you people from England, no less didn't see the swastika in your logo 
and didn't milk it and milk it and milk it for the controversy, for the noticing, for the way people would react to you and stuff like that. So just put that away. You know that's trash. Bull, bull, furthermore, bull. But there's no way that they're going to cop to that because that is horrific to do. Another sign that they knew about the whole <laughs> Nazi association, remember Lucia. Now, she, she's in there. She, there's two shots of her with a big, bright, shiny face, uh, probably out funding where somebody took a picture. Um, she had a cat named Waffen in the Dallas branch. Waffen, remember, was a Nazi group, Hitler's special assassins. Uh, so maybe there was some e e actual intentional. I, I can't imagine that they would agree with the Nazis, but she was a nut. Um, and she, she may have been a nice person, too, in many cases. Uh, situations because I experienced some niceness. People are multitudes, but she was a nut, period. Anyway, so um, there were times I liked her. I, I, she taught me how to make bread for the first time. She taught me how to make a, a, a dish that my wife loves and I love called red flannel. Anyway, people are multitudes, but sometimes I'm allowed to say things without having, without having to add nuance and she was a freaking nut. Okay, so um, other reactions just kind of to some content of the of the the documentary and then I'll uh, take a quick break for a station identification and then and then we'll come back to some deeper stuff uh, so yeah it seemed very performative um, but caveat being that they really did um, go down to stool I think it was or stool Mexico uh, and they had a very interesting journey to get down there and then they had some very fascinating experiences down there uh, really they seemed like there were some other kind of power involved there. I believe that there are other powers in this world. I believe that God's real. You know, I believe there's an other actual being called God. Honestly, I think that there, I think that there's a Godhead, right? I think there's God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. I think they're all different beings. In fact, I think that there are multiple billions of, of beings out there that, which are our ancestors who've gone before. I don't think we dissolve. I think we're eternal spirits, period, the end. Um, and that we all coexist in, in, in multiple different dimensions. Anyway, yeah, so I mean, I also believe there's a Satan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, again, that was me straightening some things as I talk. I'm fidgeting. <laughs> uh, I believe there's a Satan. You know, an actual adversary. I think he's out to get us. Um, I believe there's God. I believe there's a Satan. Opposition in all things. There it is. Um, and I believe that there are principalities and powers that uh, we do not understand in this world and in the world to come uh, and in different levels of existence of this world it be that's all that, that there it is so something was involved with them because otherwise there's no other explanation i don't believe in coincidences of that size uh that they talk about where weather moved the weather one ah you know weather weather's a thing but you know being led to a certain place and having visions of a certain place um i've had my own miracle experiences why can't they have some too maybe they did um the problem is when miracles show up okay uh, if there were a real miracle, actual act of God type thing, they were talking about beings that they were communicating with. I don't know what that, maybe they were talking about extraterrestrial beings. Maybe, who knows? And maybe that really did happen. But if it's a real miracle and it brings good in the world because it's a real miracle and it's unfettered, unequivocal good, that's actually, that's, that's not, it doesn't happen in a vacuum and it doesn't happen just because. It happens because we're supposed to see it and say, oh, Oh, I need to make some changes. God's real. That's his hand in my life. I need to, I need to change the way I'm living and I need to bring about good in this world. I need to affect good change in this world. I need to make people's lives better and I need to do good things. And guys, you didn't.
okay? I understand that many of you had good experiences and overall felt like it was a valuable experience, but the sum, unfortunately, is not just your good experience. It's also all the negative experiences, all the abuse, all the trauma heaped on those poor adults who got brainwashed in some cases. Absolutely, they were brainwashed. There's a lady who said it took her seven years to readjust to life after being in this thing for eight years. That's crazy talk. So, I mean, the amount of uh, brainwashing and breaking down of a person's personality that requires seven years of you know, refining your footing after, that's, that's, that's concerning, okay? So I was concerned by that. But the stuff down in Stool, Mexico is very interesting. Um, and uh, I think that they turned the wrong way. Um, and then, you know, it, it con continues to unfold, you know, their travels throughout the United States. Um, their establishment of several chapters in New Orleans. It looked like New Orleans was kind of their main hub for a while. And they started branching out over to San Francisco, where they picked up my mom, Boston, where they picked up my dad, uh, Toronto, and a few other places. And then I mean, it never got to the point where they left New Orleans for good and wound up in, um, in New York as their headquarters because that was the foundation. It looks like the schism may have actually happened in New Orleans, not in Chicago. So that's interesting. Uh, which was a new piece of information for me. And then lastly, um, you, you know, the, the the way the cult kind of fell apart was interesting to me to see, um, you know, where it went. Uh, they, they talked about, and I looked up a little bit about Robert Grimston, you know, how he took his process thing and he took some people with him and they tried to keep it going, but mostly it just faded essentially. Um, and he's like, he's like an executive in a telecom or something right now at this point, which is hilarious. Given it to the man, which is fine by me. Uh, give it to the man if you need to, but, um, that, that's fine. The content was very well put together. Uh, Neil Edwards, the director did a really good job, uh, putting together a very, um, compelling, interesting story. Um, I only, uh, have some problems with it. So, uh, real quick, the, um, the guy who wrote Love, Sex, Fear, Death, Tim Wiley, he's the father of one of my colleagues, the guy, one of the guys I grew up with, who's a really good dude. Um, I love that guy. Uh, he's a good, he's a good man. Doing really good things. He's a doctor now. Um, uh, but Tim Wiley has passed since I think he passed in 2017 or 18. Uh, but he's he's the kind of the, he was the go-to narrator. Another uh, go-to narrator was uh, Hope. I, I forgot. Thank you, Frick. Um, Hope is how I knew her. <laughs> uh, she let's see here. Doesn't say which what her, what her name is. Mother Greer maybe. Um, she took over uh, Best Friends Cafe or Best Friends Thrift Shop from Michael Mountain. And she was running it when I moved, when I got out of the cult, down, landed in Kanab, and kind of started taking, I, I managed Best, friend, Best Friend's thrift shop for her. Uh, she's a big voice, a deep voice, very British like this, a very in-your-throat voice, you know. Um, she's now in New Orleans reading poems, or, as, or in doing psychic type stuff, which is neat. Uh, she was pushed out of the cult. Um... Not that long ago, relatively, relative to the age of the cult, she was pushed out, I think, in 1993 or 4. I guess they didn't like what she was doing or something like that. Uh, so that was neat to see her in it, to see her that she seemed fairly healthy. Um, of course, this was all the footage was taken some years ago. So that's that's cool. But it was really neat to see her. I had a soft spot in my heart for her. She's fun, eccentric. She had a lot of dogs like everybody else did. Uh, her dogs seemed to be fairly well behaved, if I recall. Uh, she lived in a trailer when early, early days of best friends with a big kennel around her. Um, and then Edward Mason, who I had only seen online. Uh, it was good to see him. 
and, and, and other stuff. So, it, you know, seeing their, these people's involvement and seeing, you know, how it really was a product of its time um, was very interesting to me. Uh, the 60s are quite a time. They were a, hu a hugely important time across the world, a huge era of change and a lot of exploration and a lot of new um, you know, exploration of what it means to be living, what it means to be happy, what kind of meaningful life we want to go after, how, what we want to put our efforts towards when it comes to being, a, living a meaningful life. So I, I think that's great. And this is, this is just a product of it, honestly. Um, I don't want to devalue what some dear people to me, their experience that they had in this cult, but this is just another cult. You know, it's just another organization, uh, that went a little far a little farther than the others, and it's lasted clearly much longer. Um, but I am not surprised that the Best Friends folks would like to hide this. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, anyway, the the it, it's a good time. I hope you looked at my web or my Facebook page, by the way, to see some of the photographs that I took. Um, yeah, the guy, the guy on the on the cover of Sympathy for the Devil, the, the paper that I took a picture of up there. Yeah, Mother Greer, that's who she is. That's Gabriel. Um, I, I make him a bad guy in one of the books I wrote. Okay, here we go. So we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to give you some more visceral, emotional reactions to some of the things that I saw and heard uh, in this documentary. So uh, I'll be right back. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that little commercial. Uh, it's just, I, this is, I do those because I get a penny for every listen. Uh, you know, you can do the math. I've gotten about 16,000 listens. So, you know, paid a bill or two. Um, yippee. Hey, you want, do you want to help me get more listens to get a couple more pennies here and there? Uh, tell your friends about this insane, ridiculous podcast. Uh, review this on Apple um, Apple Podcasts or something like that. I don't use any product or any software from Apple. I think I think they're terrible, <laughs> although many people love it. So, I'm you know, your mileage varies. Uh, so review it. Uh, share it with your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your coworkers. Say, guys, I love this podcast. You know, help, help a brother out. Okay, back to this thing. Um, number one, it was cool to see my mom. Uh, she showed up just briefly. There was no footage of her. There were some stills of her. She was a young, beautiful lady, vibrant. Uh, I, I didn't know her from that time. You know, I, I didn't know who that version of her. I don't know when she went from a uh, new adherent to the, to, to the cult to, uh, fully devoted to Marianne, uh, and ultimately her handmaiden. I don't know. I, I'm sure that happened after the schism. Um, I know that her relationship with my dad was mandated, not mandated. Maybe it was mandated. I think it was approved. You know, hey, you may do this um, thing with them, with him, this type thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that they said you must. Um, oh, I should say another content thing. John Waters. John Waters is in this documentary. That eccentric old bat. I shouldn't say I'm terrible. I'm a rude person right now. I'm sorry. He's very eccentric. He's very funny, man. He's, 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 he's very funny and energetic in this, in this documentary. Is he a movie maker? He's not John Hughes. It's John Waters. Must be a movie maker or something. He's got this hilariously thin pencil, thin uh, mustache on his lip. Very fun. Very articulate. I had a good time watching him, but apparently the name sounds familiar to me. So I should look him up sometime and see who he, what he is. But so yeah, the first real emotional reaction I had was not actually my mother, but it was really neat to see her. Um, I, I just wish that I had done more, I guess, or figured out a better way to communicate. I've shared, I've shared my issues. You know, I, I've shared, you know, why I, why I never really had much of a relationship, even though I tried sometimes 
and she tried sometimes. It, it's hard to say. Uh, I mean, those are episodes 22 and 23, a loving hippie with a temper, right? Uh, that's my mom. Um, I'm a bit of a loving hippie with a temper, to tell you the truth. I just don't have a beard or long hair. Uh, that was neat. But actually, the first reaction I that was kind of like jump up and yell uh, was this incredibly creepy uh, panning shot following um, Cyrus, uh, who's in a picture that I took, that I shared. Um, and, and, and it's not, it's not like creepy because he's a jerk, even though he is a jerk. Yeah. If you, there's a middle one that I may have taken of, uh, Gabriel at the far left and Cyrus on the far right. That really might be my mom. I'm not sure. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Cyrus has this kind of almost a short bob to his ears though. And he's got very thick wavy curly hair. Anyway, this long kind of tracking shot of him walking and looking right in the camera in a very kind of, you know, trying to look into your soul, but not really because he doesn't know how to, I guess. Um, that's the guy who beat the crap out of me when I was nine. Um, and he was in, in this tracking shot. He's like 20 something. He may be 21 or 22 is my guess, uh, which is just a little older than my oldest son. So it wasn't nice to see him staring at me from the video. I'm not going to blame Neil for that. It's a very compelling little tracking shot that he must have been able to lift from some sort of home video made by cult members at the time, which is great find, but freaky, man. Um, I don't like him. I don't have to. It's okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have to like him. So that wasn't nice to, to see him, but, you know, it was also quite a thing to see him. Um, you know, I need to continue to, uh, to pray for the gift of forgiveness, clearly. But um, I also, I've mostly forgiven anyway. I just, you're not going to enjoy seeing the person who beat you up. Anyway, um, there are a couple of times where I just wanted to throw, some, or I was yelling at the TV. You know, every time, every time somebody on the television, any narrator, or they talked about, you know, other people, just dissing on the whole idea of family. Um, just pissed me right off. <laughs> you know, they're talking about, you know, there's a problem. You know, we didn't want to just live in this way. Da, 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 da. We wanted to go find something new and live in a different and and e extraordinary way. And I'm like, yeah, you do that. Okay. And look at the result. Look where it took you to. Um, yeah, you may, f uh, they feel like that a full life. And, and, and I'm not one to say that they didn't. But the unintended consequences and hopefully not intended consequences, hopefully they really are unintended, aren't good. Um, granted, you know, best friends is great big doing good things. But this constant dissing, this constant dismissal of, you know, some really important pillars of a strong and healthy society was, man, really just boring and dumb it's it's it was such a product of their time they it seemed like they were trying so hard to to break free from the norms like just like everybody else is the thing right everybody was trying to break free from the norms come on be unusual and you know make a family you know make something really really meaningful uh of yourself and your and, and the choices in your life again here I am adding nuance when I, you want me to just yell and, 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 and go crazy. But there is nuance. Of course, we're, we can all find meaning here and there and everywhere. We can, they talk about the meaning that they got from it. And I have dear friends, dear friends who were in that cult during that terrible 
very weird dark time who feel like they saved their lives. And I do not want to devalue that one little bit, okay? I'm so glad that you're in good shape. I'm so glad that they helped you get find yourself and find who you were and, and who, who you are and got you on the road to who you are today. No offense meant whatsoever, all right? None whatsoever. But there's a reason some of those folks who started having kids while in the cult with other cult members and maybe people outside of the cult left. It was a toxic place, okay? It was a toxic place and it was an improper place to have children. I am not saying they should have gotten rid of pregnancies because I, I don't believe that that's a good idea at all. I don't believe that abortion is a good contraceptive. I think if you want to not have children, maybe don't have sex, you know? Uh, but if you really must have sex, you might want to be a lot more careful. Dudes, that's mostly on you, of course, right? Come on. Don't be a responsible jerk. Don't take advantage of, of the woman that you're with. Show some respect, will you? Anyway. Um, I'm not saying that I'm saying get out. If you want to choose to have a family, understand and recognize that what the situation you're in, this commune kibitz cult thing is not the place to have them. I do not care if one of them happens to have the birthday, the same birthday as your new figurehead leader. That was me. I had the birthday, big deal. They were into that numerology and that weird date stuff. It was, which is in my opinion, bunk, but you know, I, I, I'm guessing numerologists aren't watching this or listening to this podcast, looking for, you know, affirmative things that make them feel good about themselves. If you are, I'm sorry. It's not, you're not in the right place for that. Find another one. Um, or keep listening and get mad at me. Send me a hateful email. I'll read it on the next podcast. So, um, they, they were believed in that crap. Um, this was not an appropriate place for kids. And you, you, you just should have seen that, man. I mean, once you bring a human into this world, you are responsible for that human. Okay? So, yeah, you might want to be, you're all over there dismissing the cultural mores and the culture and, and the pillars of society, which are family. You know, two parents in a home providing measured and balanced and interesting, you know, nuance and two different sides and sometimes multiple different sides for children so that they can learn in a safe comfortable, loving, trustworthy place. That's what kids need. Not some cult where the parents who had their kids were like, oh, I had kids. Let the cult raise them. Some knucklehead over here who couldn't find a place in society because they don't feel like they have a place valid, but who also is totally failing at being a, a productive member of the cult by going out and putting on a robe and iron crosses and, you know, intimidating people or convincing people to give money to the cause or buy a magazine, which is terrifying looking. You, they're, they're ineffective at that as well. Um, let's have them be the ones who raise the kids. Huh? Dudes, ladies, it doesn't matter. Let's have them be the ones watching the kids. And they weren't even raising the kids. They were the ones watching the kids, just making sure that we mostly didn't die. You know, minor injury, no worries. Some slightly major injury, also no worries. Just put a bandaid on it, you know, whatever. Um, that you have kids, you have responsibility to them. Now, my father, whom I love dearly, I don't think he listens to this, but if he's listening to this, dude, I love you. I respect you. I admire you. I'm delighted that we have a relationship now. You know how I feel about family. You know how I feel about the family that you've made, you know? how we've become a really good family. I, I appreciate it. And it's been a lot of good effort from after that weirdness, but that was weirdness, man. And, and, and this isn't to load on guilt for you. I am who I am because of this, right? I wouldn't go back and change the thing. I'd change one or two things, but I wouldn't go back and change 
my own childhood growing up. I think that it's important to who I am today. I know it is. You know, I've made the choices I've made and become who I am um, because of it. So yeah, I'm not going back and changing it. Uh, but there were bad choices. We have to face up to bad choices uh, altogether. And so, yeah, uh, don't have kids in a cult, okay? It's abusive. There is literally no cult on this planet that should, wherein you should bring kids. You can say that the Mormon church or any other religion is a cult. You're wrong. I mean, you're wrong. No matter what your perception of cult is or something, you're just wrong. Uh, the, the, the LDS face, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not a cult. There are aspects of the culture and the way some people practice in their subcultures and their culture groups that make it very culty. And those people hopefully will repent one day and see the error of their ways. We're inclusive. We don't other people. We don't take children away. Uh, the policies and practices that are supposed to be followed, there is nothing that allows you to other, okay? And you get in trouble if you disclude people. Uh, if you disclude, that's weird. <laughs> uh, if, if you just keep people out, you're supposed to welcome all. This is the church of Christ. All are welcome. However they look, whatever state they're in, whatever situation they're in life, all are welcome. Okay, period. Of course, in any faith, there are certain levels, not even levels. There are certain behavioral standards that are required to be met in order to do certain things in those religions, right? Not anybody can go up to the, you know, to the, to, 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 to where the, the, the priest in cathedral stands on that big kind of raised sting up the stairs. I don't know what that's called. Somewhere in near the apse. Anyway, not everybody can go up there and preach in front of the congregation. They're just not allowed to. Not everybody's allowed to go and preach, you know, in, 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 in mosques or anything, especially people with certain training who have met certain standards of behavior can do that. That's the same in, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But we're just, it's not a cult. This was a cult, okay? Um, don't bring up kids in cults, period. Just really important life advice for y'all. It's a life hack. Hopefully it'll serve you well and serve your family well. Okie dokie. And that leads me to the biggest emotional reaction that I had. So, Moving along, you know, I have a bit of an affection for Tim Wiley because of the book he wrote. He and I interacted a little bit online through email. Um, I've got some emails back uh, from several years ago when I first got that book. And um, I was also writing and, you know, was working on Beyond the Cabin, which is my novelization of growing up in the cult. So it's not so much of a description of the cult as it is a coming of age fictional novel that's based on my life. So 10 years of my life are novelized into about five months of this main character's life as he's in a cult that's exactly like the one I grew up in. Not the process, but the foundation uh, with some fictionalization as well. So um, so another emotional reaction, but I just want to establish, I have a bit of an affection for Tim Wiley because I think, you know, it's cool. And he also was the, his book was the inspiration for this documentary. So that's a fascinating journey. There was a picture of my brother, Daniel. Just, I had to, I'm like, holy frick. But I didn't react quick enough. So I had to rewind and then pause it to see my brother. That was my brother's uh, pointy nose, kind of triangular smile. Um, that's his jawline. That was Daniel. There was an, a short image of him, and that was neat to see. Uh, that that was him at the age of probably my thirteen, my fourteen-year-old or twelve-year-old. I couldn't really tell. My fourteen-year-old is is a giant. He's nearly six feet. Uh, my twelve-year-old is coming on five seven, five six, five seven. I think at this point he's growing fast. Um, so we're all smaller than my Daniel and my, my brother, my other brother and me. We're all smaller than, you know, overall stature wise. But that was definitely my brother. I recognize him. That was cool. Um, I miss him. Uh, you know, you know what happened to him. 
I, I miss him. <clears throat> and uh, I know he's one of those beings that's gone before and is aware of me in this level, plane, dimension of existence or something um, without the occult involved. Um, and then right before I get to the last emotional reaction I had, um, let me just say, uh, you know, the exploration of the occult is for all. Whoever wants to, go right ahead. I have no interest in it. Um, I have no interest in it. But, you know, these folks did explore a little bit. But again, most of it seemed performative. Uh, rich, on the ritual-wise and the and the aesthetics of it all, it just seemed performative. They didn't really mean any of that. They were just trying to get a reaction. They sought celebrity interaction. There's this hilarious uh, still, video, still picture of um, some somebody, I forget who it was, with Mary Tyler Moore, I think, holding some of the material. And they just took a picture. Ha ha, we got Mary Tyler Moore. Da, 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 whatever. And then they literally sought out, out Charles Manson while he was in prison after leading his horrific uh, group to go and do those horrific murders in California. They sought him out while he's in prison for this horrible crime to have him write for their magazine. What a disgusting thing to do. Okay. That's, 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 that's unconscionably immoral and awful that's basically endorsing what he did no no you're no it wasn't endorsing we just wanted the article bull crap you know you were seeking attention that way so just can it that you don't do that stuff that's terrible and you deserve every association you were given with charles charles manson by golly you sought it out stinkers don't complain about your connection with Charles Manson. You fabricated it, jerks. Of course they weren't involved in the murders, for heaven's sake. Their association with Charles Manson came after because he was in prison. And like, oh, we, let's get this guy who's in prison for murdering several people horribly and leading other people into, down the road towards murder. Let's get him to write an article for our, news, for our magazine. <laughs> That's a stupid choice. Um, so again, uh, you make that bed. You get to sleep in that bed. That was all you're doing. From what I could tell from the, uh, the the documentary, which seems very accurate, I have, by the way, triangulated the accuracy of this with uh, other folks that I that I grew up with, and um, that was cool. They say that it's pretty accurate. Neat. Uh, and then so uh, two more things, and then I'll be done. A little long episode. Uh, it was neat to see. So there's an extra uh, feature, a special feature on the DVD. Um, it's like the, the the process film on tour. So it, it was it was at a lot of um, they did a lot of screenings uh, in the UK, in Ireland, uh, in I think Toronto, uh, not New Orleans, maybe New York and LA San, or San Francisco. Several of the like cities where the branches really were, which is kind of neat. Um, and um, that was kind of cool because I saw some people I know. Uh, I saw Matea. She's great. She's great. She, uh, she went to the Toronto screening. That was really neat to see her. I saw Nancy. Um, she was at a screening in Maine, of all rad places. Um, and she spoke very interestingly about the, the, some of the music that was that was done. Um, it was neat to see it kind of on the move, but it was neat to see those folks who I've I've just gotten to know, you know, since uh, over over many years on just some some uh, private uh, groups. Um, and that's all you get to hear about that. But I like them. I love them. I, I they have a special place in my heart. Um, Matea. Uh, was dear friends with my mother um and so there's some uh, affection by uh by extension by association you could say and last emotional reaction so it's a lot along the same lines of what i've been saying okay tim wiley seems like an interesting feller 
uh, if you see this documentary, which I recommend, you know, send some bucks uh, to the to the film, and you'll get the DVD. It's amazing things how these transactions work. You know, long flowing white hair, a big long flowing beard. Uh, looks like he's a chain smoker, um, and he, which is a sad thing because that cer- certainly contributed to his death. It, there's no way it didn't. Um, he, uh, you know. Very interesting philosophies on life. Trained architect. Many of the original cultists, by the way, the original founders were trained architects. So that worked out for them to build, you know, a, an animal society um, and several buildings, fancy ones too. Um, that was cool, you know, to see where he ended up. Uh, I think he wound up in New Mexico in a house of his own design. Um, and uh, he looks like an eclectic, eccentric home. And that's cool. You know, he talks with some you know, articulateness about the, the cult and what his life has been like since. And, you know, at, at point, at near the end of the thing, he, he says, and I cannot quote it, and I should have gone back and watched it so I could quote it perfectly. So I don't want to do it injustice. But the message of what he said was, you know, no, yeah, I value it. You, you know, it was hard, and coming out of it was hard, and life has been a little hard since. And so, like, but, but I valued it. I gained a lot from it. Uh, I gained a lot from that journey, especially down to Mexico. You know, and it certainly was better than anything like getting married and having kids and just having a family and uh, settling down and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, a red haze covered my eyes when when I heard that. Um, and I growled deep in my soul at that. Uh, and I just, you know, Tim, I know you've gone to the hereafter and I know you know better now. Um, there's no doubt that you got meaning and value from it because that's how life is. Negative things are not there just to be negative and to break us. They're there to actually help us put ourselves back together. As long as we're honest with ourselves and see what is, what it is about ourselves needs fixing. Um, not that we're flawed, broken people, but what it is about ourselves that can be improving, I should say, because fixing isn't really it. What, what we need to improve, how we can do better, what we can gain strength from, what we can gain knowledge and wisdom from, how we can make better, stronger choices that show true integrity, true honesty with ourselves, and true humility, okay? So no doubt that you got meaning from it. But screw that crap. I almost want to say screw you. And I kind of did at that moment. In fact, I did. In fact, I did quite loudly. I hope I didn't wake up any of the children or my wife. But screw that. Oh, at least I didn't, you know, get married and have kids and settle down and that normal crap. That getting married, having a family, and building a life with that family is how you have eternal increase. In every aspect of life, it's how you have internal increase in safety, comfort, uh, love, in uh, family, growing, uh, in joy, in happiness, in challenge, in opportunities to grow and become a better person. That is the best way. There is a single best default way and approach to having a satisfying, meaningful life that can change this planet. And it is get married, have children. Yes, I'm ticking these off on my fingers. Get married, have children, settle into a family, raise your family, be a, be- a great spouse, a spouse who's humble and constantly seeking to to do better, a parent who is protecting kids but giving them opportunities to grow, okay? Don't be abusive. You don't give in to the anger and the yelling that happens. That's that's very all stereotypical and all that. You don't become a cold, dis, dis, distant father like he probably had, unfortunately, which is kind of what gave rise, I'm sure, to that kind of feeling. That was a common thing, of course. We all know that. You become a warm 
father, a warm, you don't, you don't say, oh, that's bad because my experience was bad. And I'm going to go do this crazy thing that ends up hurting 30 kid, 30 plus kids. Maybe I know some of the kids left stayed in there and they're like, oh, it's fine. And I'm fine too. I'm all better. I truly am. But what a cockamamie thing to say, acting as if the default approach to life for literally millennia is the wrong way to go kiss my butt okay i'm sorry but yeah come on it is not the wrong way to go okay there are bad ways to do it abuse or being a terrible parent or being a terrible spouse uh being unreachable being again cold uh not being meek enough to find ways to improve yourself not seeing it as a sport where there's always improvement possible there's bad ways to do it and there are wrong and right ways to do it there are lots of good right right ways to do it right but Again, you, you became an old man and you had a lot of cool life living that you did. But dude, there is no value to you dismissing the number one default way to meaning. The number one default best way to happiness, meaning, and joy. I'm changing the world. My wife and I are changing the world. You know how? Because we're raising seven good adults who will be productive and who will try to do their very best. Who when they make mistakes, they'll say, frick. That was a mistake and I'll do better. If they say something wrong or abusive or bad to somebody or something that hurts somebody, they'll fix it. They'll see the world as a, as a responsibility and a stewardship, not as some sort of political ploy that so many of you folks do right now. They'll see helping and saving animals not as a political thing, but as a stewardship or responsibility because we have a responsibility to this world and its creation. I'm changing the world, buddy, because I'm having an amazing family and amazing kids and I have changed my own life. For the better, I am deeply delighted with the person I'm becoming. I am still disappointed in some of the things that I do. And I'm excited by the fact that I have the opportunity to repent of my mistakes and errors and see them for what they are and use them as opportunities to do better. You see them as kind of a break and a little bit of a bone that I can heal and make better and stronger than it ever was before. That's what this life's about. Not just dismissing you know, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go do this crazy thing and then harm a large amount of people. So that's my last big emotional reaction was screw that dismissal of the actual best way to happiness in this life. Just you can take it straight to where it came from, which is hell. I don't think he's in hell. I don't pe people who understand, you know, Church of Jesus Christ doctrine um, don't even think of see see there is really being much of a hell just different levels of the hereafter um most of which are full of joy and happiness um in any case that was my reaction to this documentary i hope you've enjoyed me ranting get a little hot here i'm gonna have to turn on a fan while i edit but i hope you've enjoyed this bonus bonus epilogue epilogue for my reaction to the documentary i'm gonna give it a month or two probably before i do my next epilogue unless something else comes up <laughs> so you know you will see but i have two more epilogues one is the final one uh which i will be re recording hopefully down in canab and one is the second to last one um just a little bit of a recap of how life is um and what what it's like in best friends so thanks for tuning in as always i hopefully i haven't bored you too much uh go check out the documentary uh, again go get the dvd but please don't go to the satanist temple site to stream it unless you just feel like you got to do that you know if you got to see it right now uh, it just seems like a bad idea to have that in your browser history but you know you do you um as always stay humble 
Keep looking for ways to improve. Uh, remember that your past is not baggage. It is your armory. Uh, so until next time, that was another tale <laughs> from this Cult Insider. I'll see you for the next episode. Oh, remember, tune in to Win the Moment, my new podcast, if you can find it on your podcast platform. Uh, see you next time, uh, insiders.